grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. evening service is found recorded in the book of Acts chapter 1 beginning at verse 1. This is the ascension account. I wrote my first book Theophilus about everything Jesus began doing and teaching until the day he was taken up after he had given instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered he presented himself alive to the apostles with many convincing proofs He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and told them things about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for what the Father promised, which you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they were together with him, they asked, Lord, Is this the time when you are going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said these things, he was taken up while they were watching and a cloud took him out of their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he went away. Suddenly, two men in white clothes stood beside them. They said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here looking up into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, beginning at the 16th verse. St. Paul writes, I never stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I kept praying that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing Christ fully. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Just how rich his glorious inheritance among the saints is. And just how surprisingly great his power is for us who believe. It is as great as the working of his mighty strength, which God worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and above every name that is given not only in this age, but also in the one to come. God also placed all things under his feet and made him head over everything for the church. The church is his body and the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, beginning at the 44th verse. He said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. 
Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He said to them, This is what is written, and so it must be. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Look, I am sending you what my father promised, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. He led them out as far as the vicinity of Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was taken up into heaven. So they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They were continually in the temple courts, praising and blessing God. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. We also read from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. These are the words of Jesus. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Please believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to be with me, so that you may also may be where I am. You know where I am going, and you know the way. Lord, we do not know where you are going. Thomas replied, so how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded. It is the Ascension account from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. I open with these words from our text. Men of Galilee, why are you standing here looking up into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ and worshipers of our ascended Lord, you have heard me say that the Ascension Service is one of the three major festivals of the church here, right up there with Easter and with Christmas. And yet, over, over time, and especially during my time in the ministry, I have seen that the Ascension Service become less and less People now exchange it for, well, we'll have an Ascension celebration on Sunday. This day is the 40th day after Easter, and we celebrate it, especially because of this text. But I can't help but wonder if part of the reason that many kind of fall away from seeing Ascension is because in the Christian church, there has become a real popular way of interpreting the Bible, and the popular way is simply, we understand the Bible in the light of science. And if you apply that principle to the understanding and to the interpretation of the Holy Scriptures, then you will have to fall under the camp that there is no such thing as miracles. For science has nothing to do with miracles, because miracles is doing the supernatural. It's doing the impossible. And science cannot prove miracles because miracles come from God. 
So if you are one who interprets the Bible in the light of science, then you'll reject the idea of anything in the scriptures that talks about miracles. You'll have to see it as just folklore or myths or fairy tales. And I can't help but wonder if many see this very text that we're studying this morning or this evening as one of those myths and fairy tales. In fact, if you look upon the scriptures as, as denying miracles, well, then you're going to have to deny the resurrection of Jesus that proves that our sins were paid in full. You'll have to really deny that Jesus died on the cross because wasn't that a miracle that took place? Or you would be tempted to think that his death on the cross was suffering a criminal's death, even though he was innocent. No, this was the pain payment for our sins. What about even the faith we have? Is that not too a miracle of God? And don't we even give God the praise and glory of a believing heart to trust in him above all things? That it was Jesus who paid for our sins, rose again, and ascended back into heaven with the promise to return again on the last day, judgment day? In fact, our entire salvation is really a miracle. And that's why we have to say hallelujah, giving God all the praise and glory. But if you believe that science is how you interpret the scriptures, then you will have to reject what I'm about to share with you. We cannot join the people that hold to that camp. We take God at his word. For those that hold to the belief that science is the way to interpret scripture, ultimately have to reject one of the most beautiful teachings in scripture, and that is verbal inspiration. That word for word, God, the, the Holy Spirit, inspired the human writers, the prophets and the apostles, the very thoughts and words to write down. We believe and confess that the Bible is God's word. And therefore, Jesus ascending back into heaven is not simply a good story that of some morality that we could take to heart. No, this actually happened. And everything said was actually said. Because the Bible is the absolute truth. It is God's word. And it was the Holy Spirit who inspired the human writer Luke here, who was actually a physician, to write the Gospel of Luke. He started with Jesus' birth and, and even the announcement of John the Baptist, and he will end in the, that gospel with the ascension of our Lord. That book is really his first volume. Now we come to the book of Acts, and this is his second volume, and just as he ended the first volume, he begins the second one, and that is with the ascension of our Lord. In fact, this entire text... These first 11 verses can really be divided into two parts. The first part is dealing with that 40-day period, highlighting some of the things that Jesus did and also said. And the second part of our text highlights the very ascension of our Lord and what happened and what the angels said. Concerning the 40-day period, Yes, Jesus, after his resurrection, 
would show himself to his disciples that he was alive. In fact, we're told here that he gave many convincing proofs. We know that one way he gave a convincing proof is he even he, he ate boiled fish on that evening when he met with his disciples, and that was on the evening of that first Easter. Remember, he even showed them his hands inside, even telling them to put their hands there to see that he was alive and not a ghost. We know that since then, Jesus has eaten with them several times. And in fact, he met with his disciples off and on, even with a group of 500 at one time. Jesus was very busy, not just showing them that he was alive, but also teaching them. He opened the scriptures to them. He went back to the Old Testament and showed them all those prophecies that were fulfilled by him. And in fact, he proclaimed to them, as we're told here, the kingdom of God. Now the kingdom of God, the best way to understand it is to understand that a kingdom is where a king rules. So when we speak of the kingdom of God, we're speaking where our king of kings and lord of lords rules in our hearts. He certainly rules in the glories of heaven, but also here on earth in our hearts and always by his holy word. In fact, it was John the Baptist, the forerunner, the herald, who would point people to Jesus. That was what he was called to do. Remember, he even said to two of his disciples, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is the very one who would point to Jesus. And always with the message of repentance and forgiveness of sins. Repentance, sorrow over sin, admitting that we're sinful human beings who we can't choose God. We don't have a free will to accept God into our hearts. We're saved because God chose us, because God came to us, because God saved us. But repentance is not just forgiveness of sins. What's also included is the forgiveness of sins. In other words, the heart of repentance is faith, faith in what Jesus has done for us and what he has won for us. With his death on the cross and the proof of his resurrection, our sins have been paid in full. My friends, wherever there's forgiveness, there's the sure hope of everlasting life. This was the message that John the Baptist was proclaiming, and in fact, he was even baptizing. It was John the Baptist who would tell people that he baptizes with water. But there is one whose sandals I am not even worthy to untie, who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus brings those very words up again. So in other words, the disciples, his apostles, they didn't hear these words concerning John baptizing with water and those apostles being baptized with the Holy Spirit. They didn't hear it for the first time from Jesus. In fact, Jesus is pointing them to really 10 days after his ascension. He's pointing them to Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit will meet with the disciples, the apostles, in Jerusalem 
and with tongues of fire that will come to rest on each of them, they will be given the ability to speak in known languages that they didn't learn. In other words, they're going to receive a special outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit hasn't been working in their hearts. But this special outpouring of the Holy Spirit would come because the Holy Spirit would give the apostles and those disciples the ability to carry out Christ's holy command to go and be his witness. Starting in Jerusalem, go throughout Judea, the region where Jerusalem was. Go north to Samaria, and in fact, go to the very ends of the earth. Did you know that the word witness is where we actually get our English word martyr from? And you can understand martyr in, in, in a, a positive sense, but also in a negative sense. Some people like to be a martyr for a cause, and people hate the cause or hate what he's doing. But usually the word martyr, as we use it, is someone who, yes, is willing to die for a cause. But here it's translated witness. And not just someone willing to die for a cause, but really someone witnessing what they have been told and what they have seen. And the apostles have seen the miracles of Jesus. They have seen and heard the words of Jesus. They have seen his ministry. They were with him during that three-year seminary training. And now they were to proclaim what they've seen and heard. A witness cannot preach any more, nor can he preach any less than what he has seen and heard. And therefore, this holy command certainly applies to us. We too are his witnesses, knowing that it was the Lord Jesus who said, go and make disciples of all nations, not just speaking to his disciples then and there. We know that holy command is for all disciples for all times. But in order for you to proclaim what you have seen and heard, you have to actually see and hear it. In other words, we thank God for blessing us with the Holy Scriptures where we can see and hear all that Christ has done for us and the grace and mercy of our God who has saved us and to share that with others, starting in our own Jerusalem, our own home, and going out and sharing that holy word, not just from our lips, but even with our very lives, so that people may see the love of Christ burning in our hearts and join us in giving praise to him who is the light of the world. I find it interesting that the disciples here ask the question, Lord, is this the time when you are going to restore the kingdom of Israel? I am surprised that they would even ask the question. When Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God, he was talking about a spiritual kingdom, his rule in obviously people's hearts. They're talking about a political kingdom. See, in Jesus establishing the kingdom of Israel, where the kingdom of Israel can be free from Roman tyranny and, and be the world power on this earth. As witnesses of Christ, 
My dear friends, be careful that we too don't fall into Satan's trap of misunderstanding who Jesus is and what he has done for us. We're not trying to create a heaven here on earth. We're not trying to create a one world power. No, we are witnesses who are proclaiming heaven is our home because of the forgiveness of sins that we have in Christ Jesus alone, the very Savior who did ascend back into heaven. We are told that he went about less than a mile outside of Jerusalem to a town, Bethany. That would have been at the foot of the Mount of Olives. It was there where he blessed his disciples. The prayer that he spoke is not recorded for us, but we're told that he rose up and they lost him in the clouds. And they kept staring intently into the sky, even though he was gone. It would actually take two angels called men dressed in white, also the same term that was used when two men dressed in white White spoke to Peter and John at the empty tomb. Do you realize that the disciples never witnessed the actual rising of Jesus? They saw him alive, but the actual rising of him, they never witnessed. But his ascension into heaven, they would see with their very own eyes, and they would hear with their very own ears those holy angels telling them, why are you looking intently in the sky? The same Jesus that you've seen ascend into heaven will return. And it is because of this very passage that I believe and teach that the very Lord did not give up his humanity. Yes, he was in his exalted state making full and constant use of his divine power and glory but he never gave up his humanity. He will return on the last day as the Son of God and Son of Man and take us and all believers to the glories of heaven. He didn't leave because he's, he, he left us to our own fate and, and said, good luck, I hope you make it, see you later. He didn't desert us. His leaving is is convinced each and every one of us that the work is complete, that the work of salvation is complete. There's nothing more to be done. But more than that, we have the promises of our Lord himself preparing a place for us in heaven. And he'll come back and take us to be with him in heaven. Because heaven is our home. And his ascension is the proof. He is the ascended Lord who will rule the universe for the good of the church and for the saving of souls, but above all, to his glory. And until he returns, we live with hearts looking to heaven, but we don't keep our head in the clouds. We have work to do. And that work is not just to simply be a disciple, the work is not to simply just be a Christian. The work is not just simply to be a disciple, a believer. No, our work is to be a witness 
bless you in your ministry as his witness. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.